Listen, Paul, all I'm saying is, if you're not a pacifist by the end of this episode, I'm going to punch you in the face. Well, hey, this is Tipsy Theology, where we ex- <laughs> we explore freedom in Christ through our freedom in alcohol. <laughs> Dude, you got exciting news. I do have exciting news. <laughs> <laughs> you got a uh, new pair of socks. I got a new pair of socks, and my sister is currently in labor. That's crazy. And I got a new bottle of bourbon. You really? No way. And I'm very Dude, excited about it. I've had larceny before. That one's pretty good. It's it's delicious. Yeah. So that's what I'm pouring first. That's celebration right there. First time uncle. But 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 this guy. That's right. That's right. I'm gonna corrupt that kid. You have to. I mean that's our well, what kind of uncle do you think you're gonna be? Do you wanna be like the uh, cool, fun one or like the I mean, if you can't tell what kind of uncle I'm going to be, Paul, I don't think you really well, know no, who I Which am. one do you want to be? <laughs> well, obviously, I'm going to be the cool uncle. <laughs> I figured since everyone wants to do that, you'd try something a little different. Ooh. Well, it's not. It's going to be like the cool, like, not like the cool, like, hey, do whatever you want, kid. But like the cool, like, hey, I'm going to do it with you, kid. I'm going to do it with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm a- What are you, five? You want to take a shot? <laughs> Try it out. You'll be doing this eventually. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. No, she's going to have really cool parents, so I, I'll have to pick a different kind of cool. You're right. Yeah, that's fair. Just be a man of power and mystery, whose power is yeah. only matched by his mystery. <laughs> yeah, as long as there's mystery, there's power. That's right. It's true. There's, there's power and mystery. Hmm. I'm realizing I don't like these headphones. They look cool. They match my tie. Yeah, they're they're Beats by Dre. By Dre? Yeah. Do you think he, like, touches each one of those? Is that mm-hmm. how they get by that? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I heard that cool. he kisses them as they go by. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a full-time job right there. <laughs> he gets paid a lot of money to do it. <laughs> do you think he has, like, a substitute? He's like, if we could only automate this. <laughs> he gets, like, a lip print. And then just the machine then. Stamps it each time. <laughs> That's fun. Oh, what are we what are we talking about today? Well, apparently you're gonna beat me over the head. <laughs> We're gonna so this is actually a topic that I've been really excited to talk about for a, a while. <laughs> so when we were first starting talking about doing this podcast, this was something that came up and I was like, we have to talk about this. <laughs> and so I'm really excited that we're here talking about pacifism. Yeah, it's it's always funny to me when when I get in conversation with Christians, they get really interested that I'm a, a pacifist. Yeah, and I'm always conf- I'm confused by that because I just felt like that was the way of Jesus. So, <laughs> <laughs> no over here like ah, can't be. <laughs> but no, I'm excited to get into it and and hear your your perspective on it and and hopefully share mine in a particulate way. I think that that's that's what that's what I'm interested in hearing as well because there's what I have that comes to mind when I think of pacifism that might be different than the way you're defining it too. Sure. So yeah. that might be what we end up finding out. So we'll find. We'll, we'll, well figure you know, it out. I'm I'm willing to blur some lines every now and then. You got to be a little <laughs> pragmatic, right? <laughs> it's true. A little blurry face. You know? <laughs> Anyways, shot number one. Shot number one. What are you going with? 
Dude, I showed you the bottle. Oh, you go, you start with larceny? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I think yeah, so. Oh, man, what do I want to start with? I'll do that one last. I'm going to go here. I've actually, like, I'm, like, going for, like, the ends of some of them. So I got over here, we got this fancy oh, maker's maker mark. 46? Yeah, yeah, I still got some left in here. Um, Oh, this one's a cork, too. That's nice. I I really like this one. I'm I'm kind of, like, at the end of it. So there's a part of me that's like, ah, I don't want to finish them because I want to save them, but also I could just buy more. <laughs> so this is like a good, sure. it's a good stepping stone for me. I still have a little bit left and that's just yeah. going to sit up on my shelf, but Hey, yeah. That, I mean, that's the cool yeah. thing about doing this podcast is we always need to uh, update our liquor cabinet. It's true. So. It's true. So I was trying to keep it at bay and then well, I haven't. So <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Stuff like that. It's like, that is not meant for shooting, but... <laughs> I forgot that was 120 proof. Oh! <laughs> but it certainly warms you up inside. <laughs> Feeling very, yeah. Ooh. It's a good feeling. All right, Whew. what you got for number two? Whew. All right, so this one, I'm feeling a little nostalgic, so I've got this Cleveland bottle. Okay, so that's pretty. I think th I really like the bottle. I love the, the font they have here, but the mm -hmm. problem is the product inside. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it looks what? really pretty, and I can represent, but... I'm just not like a huge fan of the way it tastes. It's got like this, uh, like synthetic kind of like fake flavor to it. Cause they do the, okay. they do the rapid aging process. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of throws it off for me. What'd you say the distillery was called? Uh, this one is called, I think it's just, it's just Cleveland. Says Cleveland on it. <laughs> yeah. It came from Cleveland. I think it's just like Cleveland brewing or something. Okay. Oh, Cleveland whiskey. Nice and easy. Wow. Nice and easy. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going with Baku. Oh boy. Yeah. So your his his screen rolled out of mine. If I refresh, that won't stop the recording. Okay. We're testing this new technology yet. So you might I might disappear for a minute here, but I'll be back. Changes were made that may not be saved. Should I just Hope his screen comes back on. <sighs> this has to be Ed's fault, uh, right? No, because Oh, you're back, you're back. It's Ed's fault. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to keep that in or not, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It, it's... This is technology we're figuring out, you know? I'm an yeah. old man. It'll... It's going to be fine. <laughs> It'll be good. But hey, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland whiskey. Sir, Baku, cheers. Cheers. Are you sure that we, uh... Are you sure we don't cheers every time? Because Annie told James that we don't, but I'm pretty oh. sure we do. Maybe we just do that now, I don't know. Is this when we just started? You know, she's always lying. <laughs> she's she's always come up with crazy stuff. <laughs> she's like, this will really mess with them. <laughs> <laughs> all right one more what you got all last? right i got jameson nice and simple nice nice 
Did I did I tell you about my new uh, the new thing I'm doing? No. What's well, up? well, first, actually, what are, what are you drinking? <laughs> Tito's, baby. Oh, you want Tito's? I got this big bottle, the one point seven five liter. Dang! I can't believe you're doing vodka on this show, <laughs> willingly. Uh, not. I mean, I don't want to do it, but well, I have it. Tito's is good. My good stuff. There's like uh, just this tiny bit left, and I was like, "Oh, that'll fill it up," and it did. <laughs> That's a full shot. Um, no, so I'm, I'm actually really. What's that? I'm upset. I'm upset about this shot. I'm, I haven't taken it yet. I'm so upset. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. Yeah. No. So I'm doing this new thing now. I've told like everyone about. I feel like I watched one YouTube video and I was like, "Oh yeah, my posture. I can fix it." So uh, I'm sleeping on the floor now. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that. Did you really? I did not sleep. I didn't sleep at all. So I've been doing it for about uh, a little over a week now. Mm-hmm. And the first four days, just living hell. <laughs> it, I would I would go to sleep and wake up. I'd get a full eight hours of sleep, and it felt like one and a half. I woke up. I was like, did I even sleep? So it's kind of rough. But now it was like after like day four, beyond that point it's like it's been pretty good so i've been waking up and feeling pretty refreshed okay so what I, what's the point of sleeping on the floor how's this fix your posture i've got to embrace this minimalism thing so no so what i what i what this uh, chiropractor said was that since you're laying on the floor it's not going to like mold to your body and kind of hug your poor posture but it kind of forces your back to lie lie straighter lay flat okay yeah so that's the theory. I don't know if there's anything behind it, but I'm trying it. So the guy's like, I've been doing it for, you know, 110 years, and my back's never hey, been better. I mean, if he, if he lived 110 years old, it must <laughs> yeah, be working, right. right? It's true. So there's got to be something for it. So I'm trying it for like a month. We'll see what happens. Uh, if, <laughs> if I come in on like a body cast, then you know it didn't work out well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, we'll see. All right. Hey. Last one. Let's Cheers. do it. Cheers. This is so full. (laughs) (laughs) All three of those in a row really hit me in a weird spot. (laughs) Hmm. I can't remember if I ate today. Mm. That's that's not gonna be good. Well, good thing we're not doing beer today. Yeah, we got tea. We're we're mixing it up. We're talking about pacifism, so we're drinking tea. And also, Trey's a new uncle, so <laughs> we got we're drinking we're drinking tea. Paul, explain ex- explain your reasoning for wanting to do tea when I said, "Hey, I don't want to drink too much today." And you're like, "Tea is perfect." Well, I was like, <laughs> first off, I love tea. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm like. Oh, pacifism, peace, tea. <laughs> I don't know why. Whenever I think of pacifism, I usually associate it with like that. Yeah, man, you know, peace and love. <laughs> I'm like, they probably drink peace tea. tea. Yeah, peace right. tea, baby. <laughs> no, well, you said tea, and I instantly went to the Boston Tea Party, and I was like, that's not pacifism. <laughs> it actually, that's I think awesome. that falls under my category of pacifism, but okay. We're so that's what I want to hear about that. But yeah, what, what kind of tea are you drinking? I don't remember the brand. The flavor or, or the, the mix. Mm-hmm. I don't know tea. It's uh, it's called Vermont Maple Ginger. And it, it tastes like Christmas. That's so fun. 
Yeah, it's so really good. So I've got um, one of my one of my new favorites. And it's great because I don't remember what the name of the company is. <laughs> I know it's like a it's a company that mixes out in France. So this is an okay. Earl Grey lavender. Ooh. And it's uh it's nice. It hits good. Mm. It's one of my favorites. So there's that. Yeah, good good caffeine point too, I bet. I hope so. <laughs> but hey, so let's 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 spill the tea. <laughs> this is gonna be <laughs> This is gonna be a, this is gonna be fun. I'm excited. This is this is one of those that I've been excited about. I've been excited about for a while, so <laughs> Well, I mean, I could go ahead and start talking, but also, like, I don't even know, like, what, what, what is, what do you consider yourself? I didn't actually, so I don't even know, it. like, is there, I've never, there's not a word for it. There really isn't. It's like, you're normal or you're a pacifist. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) See, we don't feel the need to label everything, so... (laughs) I love my labels. Is it I is it a month expired? Who cares? There's no label. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what I'd call myself. I so I'll get really biblical and Christianese on you. I, I would just call myself a peacemaker. Is a phrase that I would use. Mm. But I don't discount uh, the use of violence in certain in certain situations. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself a peacemaker too. But like a <laughs> like a sissy one, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm, that's that's basically it. You know, like <laughs> fighting scares me, so I just, I just I stay out of it. I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's not a bad reason. <laughs> I think well, that's what's funny about it because I think some people think because they watched a movie they're like oh yeah if you're like really good you won't get hurt and like people can't punch you I'm like you've obviously never been in a fight before <laughs> like you're gonna get hit it doesn't matter how good you are it doesn't feel good mm. I don't care for that I don't yeah. care for that at all it doesn't feel See, good my, for uh, anybody <laughs> well my my thing is is uh, being a pacifist has nothing to do with my own, you know, like my own protection. It, it, pacifism is more about the protection of of others. So if I take mm. a punch, I mean, I mean, I mean, the the, the, the cliche pacifist verse, right, is turn the other cheek. So right. pacifists, are, you're still going to get hit. <laughs> yeah, just gonna do it twice. <laughs> yeah, it, you're just gonna get hit twice instead of him hit you and then you hit him back. You know. <laughs> well, so overall, like, how do you how do you define pacifism? So the way I understand it is, is just like no reason for any kind of uh, like physical force. There's there's no there's no reason to use physical force or like you avoid that at at every possible cost. So I mean that's the more deontological definition of it. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think mine is more of a a matter of virtue ethic, I guess is the right way to phrase it. So there, there is a hierarchy where there comes time mm. where it's like, uh, hey, we still have to get involved to protect the lives of others. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we don't, we don't, and I think this is, this is where Dietrich Bonhoeffer comes in really well because 
you know, he's he's a notable pacifist who was in Germany during the time of World War II. And, you know, he, he had to deal with this issue of, hey, the whole world is at war. I'm yeah. in Germany. Hitler's, like, pretty close to me. Mm-hmm. And he's killing a whole lot of people. What do I do about the situation? And so, I mean, he became a spy and, you know, ultimately to take out Hitler. Um, yeah, because their goal was, like, assassination attempts, wasn't it? He was kind of right. part of yeah. those. Yeah, that whole thing. So Bonhoeffer came to the conclusion that Hitler had to be taken out for the good of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that does not fall under the deontological definition of, of pacifism. So I, because so. when I hear that, it's like, I wouldn't classify that as a form of pacifism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because I kind of, I, in my brain, I stick to that idea of like, oh, like you don't use physical force. So would you say like, there is moments when that is a, like, okay, and you could still be a pacifist? Honestly, I don't know if, if okay is even the right language to use. Yeah, I'm kind of at a loss with <laughs> really understanding it. This, this is this is where it gets really really murky because I don't think I don't think there's ever a justified time to kill another man. Okay, right? There's never a justified time to kill another person. Like I don't think we. I don't think Bonhoeffer had this. Like back in the number four already, <laughs> but I don't think I don't think Bonhoeffer. This was supposed to be the easy uh, part so far. <laughs> I mean, we already went to Hitler, so like that's that's not good. That one's on you, though. <laughs> yeah, that, it is my fault. Eh? But Bonhoeffer is such a great example of of what what you brought up. So, hmm. but I still think like to have killed Hitler would have been a wrong. It would have been hmm. a wrong, but it would have been a less. It would have been less wrong than allowing Hitler to do what he was doing, right? Okay. So the lesser of two evils is how you'd classify that. (laughs) And I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) Well, because I know, I think we're both ends don't justify the means. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You probably stick to that stronger than anyone I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing is people always give the, the, uh, the, the, uh, do they call it analogy? I don't know. The, the. I can't think of the term, but they're always like, okay, so you can time travel, you go back to when Hitler was a baby, Mm. you kill Hitler, right? It's like, no, that's not the answer. The answer is to parent him right in the truth of God to where he doesn't end up being this dictator who, you know, he wipes out so (laughs) many many egregious things. He's like, I need an enemy. How about the world? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, I so I would agree with you on that as well. Um, the lens I look through that in is a baby didn't commit those crimes. <laughs> like he's not guilty of something he hasn't committed yet. And so I guess that brings me to a good point where I, I think there are two motivations for anything. Mm. And those motivations are fear and love, right? And I think anytime we forgo our nonviolent uh, approach to influencing the rest of the world for the good, we allow part of the fear motivation to come in. So why kill Hitler? Because we're afraid of what he's doing. And we don't know how. There, obviously, there was a way to stop Hitler without killing him. 
like he handled it himself. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but that's not a, that's not a good either, right? That's not the, that's not the because there's people people hate talking about Hitler for this reason, and people hate talking to me about Hitler for this reason. I mean, let's because be honest, like, he's not like a he's not a big top. He's not like a, everyone's favorite topic. But like, no one, I don't think any many people look forward to talking about him. <laughs> to kill Hitler would be to take away his path to redemption. And so I never think that is justified. And that's why I'm a, that's why I consider myself a pacifist. I don't okay. think there's ever a time where we have the right to take another person's life. Hmm. Because to take another person's life is to condemn them and to judge them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a position that we do not hold. So would you would you say like anybody like nobody on earth has that right? Yeah. Okay. So then, so <laughs> our favorite. <laughs> so then, what? So what would you do with? Let's talk biblically, <laughs> with like Old Testament passages, mm-hmm. early Pentateuch, talking about, um, like capital punishment, for example, mm-hmm. or saying like, hey, these these people that God has put in charge, um, they have the right to judge people and condemn them for wrongs they have done to the society as a whole. Yeah, well, I mean, you. If I if I answer this fully, we'll have to, you know, completely, you know. And I know capital punishments the... <laughs> is a completely different topic. But there no, is no, no, no. I think, I, I mean, I'm against capital punishment too, so it's not a problem to answer this. Okay. Um, and I figured you were but, based on your answer. Uh, let's just let's just let's not argue about what I'm about to say because it'll take the whole episode if we do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. And it's not, it's not on topic, but you know, my approach to the old Testament, like I've said before is, you know, I don't believe the old Testament or any scripture, you know, I believe it all to be inspired, but I don't believe any of it to be, you know, directly from the mouth of God. And and I think there's a whole lot of, you know, psychologizing in the old Testament, especially when it comes to the Pentateuch and especially when it comes to these developing these, you know, commandments and rules, which, you know, don't want to start an argument, but mm-hmm. contradict each other at times, right? And, and and they seem to progress throughout the Old Testament themselves, right? Because you have the Pentateuch, where you have these rules, and then you have the prophets, and, and the prophets seem to say, hey, we are moving beyond this. And then, of course, Jesus comes in and says, hey, I, I'm fulfilling the law, right? And, and then Jesus gives a better image for what the Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament truths were really about. Right. The things that they were trying to get at, like the essence of Mm. the right way to live. Right. They were trying they were trying to to uh, pull out from from what they saw around them to create the. uh, The rules, the rules that we find in in the Pentateuch and Jesus comes and, and makes 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 the real rules more clear. And one of his rules is. Turn the other cheek. Sure. <laughs> and I know people love that one. <laughs> I mean, in fair, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> that's 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 the that's the pacifist motto, right? Yeah. I and mean, that's their their main verse is hey, if somebody wants to be violent against you, <laughs> turn the other cheek. Yeah. So it's interesting because then I I've I hear on the opposite side, and this is kind of where I'm at with it. It's like it's really hard to find someone who's honest about both sides of this. It's like I've I've struggled to find like a really nuanced um, approach to this concept 
Because it seems like you have two main camps, one of them saying like, yeah, no matter what happens, you just got to turn the other cheek. And then the other side that quotes like the sell your coat and buy a sword kind of thing in verses like that. Because there's other mm. verses talking about, hey, you should carry a sword or you should carry some way to protect yourself. Um, and it's, 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 it's funny because I hear, I've heard pastors even on one and say, be like, this one says that you need to, I'll, I'll harp on this one because this is what the sermon was on. This guy <laughs> talked for like 30 minutes on this one verse, which is just like, God, Jesus said, you know, sell your coat and buy a sword. Therefore, you need to own guns and you need to have this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I see what you're saying, but it's like, you're being really dishonest. <laughs> but then I, yeah. I hear like the, you need to turn, turn the other cheek. And it's like, all right, I hear what you're saying, but you're being limited on like the, the context of, even if we just look at the New Testament, it's like, I feel like there's, there's conflict with just that statement alone. All right, where's the conflict? So one of them being like, um, well, I, I guess the biggest one, <laughs> like, I this is like, I don't know, the one I've been thinking about today mostly is just the idea of Jesus on the cross. It's like, okay, well, there's a form of, of capital punishment. Mm-hmm. And that was used as a good thing. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, but I mean, there's other verses too that talk about, you know, carrying weapons, being a minister, being a, you know, in ministry, being able to, I, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm paraphrasing this a little bit, but it's like, basically the essence of that is like, you should be, you know, ready to defend yourself if needed. And I don't mean that, I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll define my stance a little bit here too, because I feel like I have to, <laughs> um, from where I'm coming from. And it's the idea of, so I called myself a peacemaker, <laughs> but I, I don't eliminate the use of force if necessary, but I do remove the, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't condone necessarily the idea of offensive force. Like you're initiating something. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good approach. I think that, I think that is, uh, is an unbiblical thing. I yeah. don't think I don't think I don't think Jesus or anyone in scripture uh condones the idea of someone says something bad about me I should go just beat the crap out of them. <laughs> I think that's a very unbiblical idea. But if someone is trying to if someone is attacking uh your family everyone loves jumping to that but it's like if if there's other people that are innocently being attacked i think yeah that's that's a place where we can use force to protect some protect an innocent life yeah so that's kind of where i'm at with it i think yeah as much as possible avoid the use of force avoid a fight as much as you can but sometimes it's unavoidable Yeah, and I, of course, I prefer to stay in the the abstract when it comes to yeah. <laughs> to understanding it theologically. Because when you get into like it's a lot less messy specific, to do that. <laughs> when you get into specific scenarios, it gets really messy. Yeah, because it's like uh, you're going to let them kill other people, and you're just going to stand by and let it happen. And it's like, no, I'm going to get involved. And it's like the mm-hmm. we assume. Well, we don't we don't assume, but it, it it seems like the only thing we can do to stop, say, you know, you know, uh, person one who is committing these, you know, hurts and killings and stuff, is killing other people. We 
automatically go to, well, we have to stop him by killing him. That's the best way to stop him, right? It's the quickest way. But yeah. It's not the only way. So that's 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 the thing is like, I don't think we know. It, it, that's the surest way. It's like, so we want to take the surest path <laughs> to stop stop the yeah. harm. But there also exists these all these whole other possibilities of outcomes where you know we could. I don't know. Maybe he needs a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but we don't know that. If we gave him a <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwich, he would stop killing people. <laughs> but how do you know that? You don't know that. So the only way we know that we know we can stop him. I know that's a crazy <laughs> idea. But it was the first thing that came to my mind. It's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. All we know is is that killing him will stop him from killing other people. So it's definitely yeah. the easiest way. So. Well, in it, in a way, it kind of brings us to the the age old, um, you know, idea or philosophical idea of you got a train coming in. There's one person on this track and five people in this track. Do you, you know, switch the the gear to hit one person versus five, or do you just let it happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's in in a way, it's kind of the same concept. That you're bringing up it's here. Such a sick concept. But oh, it's it, terrible. Well, <laughs> it's awful. So, but that's a perfect example, right? Because we're only presented two options. Well, is yeah. there anything else that can stop a train? No, that's it. Sure, sure, man. Another train. Yeah, kill the driver. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that that's but that's perfect. Like that's how we see the train problem, right? Is there's mm-hmm. two options: either kill more or kill less. But there's right. other things that can stop a train. Mm-hmm. So it's just like we yeah. don't have those things at hand. So the only decision we can make is let it happen or switch the track so it kills less people. Sure. And I know- so I mean that's that's exactly what I'm kind of saying with this peanut butter and jelly sandwich thing here. You know. Yeah. And I know it's like under perfect circumstances that's great. And <laughs> it it also yeah. goes to and people love this where you have to bring it to like the fringe side of it. It's like. All right, this person, like, this train is like 10, 10 feet away from these people, and you have just enough time to do one thing. Sure, you know what yeah. I mean. So it's like those situations too. That's kind of where I go because it, you know, if there's, and again, it's like it depends on the situation. It's like in in the vast majority of situations, I do believe, yeah, there's another option. You can avoid the harm that you have to cause on somebody. But then there are those times where it's like there really isn't there really is only like one or two options. Um, I think those are very fringe and those are not as common in everyone's day to day life. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. But I think those are the ones that I that I I guess for me, I'm I'm hesitant. Maybe this goes back to the Bonhoeffer thing. So maybe you want to talk more about that. Yeah, like, well, I, I think I think that's in, yeah. that's a perfect example of this kind of fringe case where it's like you are drawn to this level where it's like there really is only one option. It seems like. Yeah, so I mean, because Bonhoeffer was dedicated to his nonviolent pacifism, and then you know Hitler got his rise, and Bonhoeffer saw no other way forward other than you know becoming a spy and joining a, a collaboration to assassinate him. Hmm. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think from, from our side of things, we are so, you know, we don't have the, the hindsight to know what the, I, I think there's always a path forward, a path of complete love that prevents all violence from occurring. 
but but we don't have the hindsight to know what that path is, which is why we choose the easier route of, of violence. Hmm. Well, it's interesting even with that too, because I, I wouldn't even say it's easier. It, I think it's like more sure sometimes. But, yeah. Um, but I think that's something to, to recognize with that too. It's like it's never, you know, causing harm to another person, whether that's, you know, breaking their arm or like killing them. I think it's like that's never an easy thing. And sometimes I think that's, that can be more difficult. Well, I'm not saying it's easy to kill somebody. I'm just saying that's. That I, I'm talking. I'm talking. The, I'm <laughs> talking mentally, as far as like the toll it takes. Yeah, on, I know. On that's, you. I'm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's not easy mentally. It's easy yeah. pragmatically, right? Mm. When there, when there's no other, there seems to be no other option. That's the easiest one. Let's just yeah. let's just kill him. Because we don't know how much he loves peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> But <laughs> the dude just wanted a paint, right? <laughs> he just wanted a nice oil paint set. <laughs> but the reason I'm dedicated to to this form of pacifism, though, mm -hmm. is because I think we have to recognize. Well, one, we have to recognize the people that aren't considering pacifism as a moral philosophy at all, right? Hmm. So think think of your more uh, further right conservative types who absolutely love the military and absolutely identify as Christian. Mm -hmm. the, the, those two things, their patriotism and their Christianity are completely intertwined together, right? Yeah. And so for at any cost, they will defend their country and God, right? It's, it's God, country, mm -hmm. whatever the saying is. Um, that's completely anti-Christian. Hmm. Because God, first of all, does not recognize America as this. Uh, we are not more God's people than the rest of the world is. True. Right. So to to have that that perspective is to to think you think too highly of yourself that you think you can uh, that your life and Americans' lives are more important than anybody else's life in the rest of the world, but the rest of the world bears the image of God as well. Mm -hmm. And so we can't, we can't uh, replace uh, America as, as God's holy promised land. And at, at, at the, at the risk of um, harming people of other countries mm. that, and that, that's really, that's just, that's a strong motivation for my pacifism. Like when I think pacifism, I think I am not pro American military, uh, using their power to harm individuals of other countries. Mm. Like there's no American superiority in that where, where America has this upper hand where they, they have the freedom to uh, go to war to protect America at the expense of other countries. Mm. Does that make sense? I think so. I think so. I know the only thing that I would that I would maybe change if I was to explain it would be the idea of just and unjust. Where it's like, is there is what you're doing a just thing? So like we'll bring we'll bring World War II back into it. <laughs> That's an easy one to jump to. It's like for me, I would say, oh, that there was a sense of justice in what you were in what they were doing. There was a lot of innocent people being harmed. There was 
there was this very blatant attack on other people for the sake of it. It was, I think, what you know the Nazi party was doing was like a very unjust thing to the rest of the world. And so the justice was to, okay, let's go and stop them. And that was at the cost of killing people as well. So in that sense, I would, I, I would say it's like, oh, there is like a just cause for, for that harm, even though it's at the, it's at the, this, uh, at the stake of the Imagia Day. Yeah, but you're not disagreeing with me on that point. I'm not I'm necessarily, about... but. The, the reason – the moral justification for, for, for America's involvement in, in World War II, which, of course, when I say moral justification, I still – that, that's not me condoning war, but it's me saying it seems necessary that America got involved to prevent the harm mm-hmm. of anybody, right? Any innocent person. Uh, so the path forward, of course, in World War II is kill the least amount of people – possible to end the war mm-hmm. so it's it's the path of least harm although the, although it seemed necessary that there was killings right mm-hmm. am i losing so, you no i i'm sorry i'm listening <laughs> i guess for me i'm trying to see like okay well where's i guess i'm trying to find like is is there like do we disagree on that because i think from what i just heard you say was you would for lack of a better term, you put like a stamp of approval on that, even though it's a horrible thing to say. No, no, no. I was, I was trying not to. I was trying not to. Okay. Yeah. What, put a stamp of approval on what? Oh, on the sense of like, okay, this is the the right. I'll say right, or this is the right or best path to go down to. In that in that example that we're using, you would say it's like, oh, for America to be involved in that, um, that was that was the best and right thing to do because it, it caused the least harm to people. Yeah. I mean, the distinction is, is it's not the least harm to America or the American people. It's the least harm right. to all people. Yeah. So there's no, there's no sense of American nationalism in that. It's, it's not about protecting yeah. the American people. And I don't, I don't mean that at all. People at large. Yeah. I don't mean that at all when I say that. I'm okay. not I'm not making yeah. this political. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm trying to separate that from the philosophy of it. Yeah, of course. Um, well, so it's interesting with that. So because what I'm hearing is like in a sense you say, oh, there there is a there is a place for uh that you where you would condone physical harm. See that well that's 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 I, I... <laughs> I tried to make that as small as I could for you, as specific as I could. <laughs> I, th- that's the thing is I want to say I never condone it. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's the whole thing I've been, I'm trying, I'm trying to present here is like from the mm-hmm. abstract perspective, there's never a time where harming, putting an end to another Imago Day's life is ever justified. Because that eliminates their path to redemption. But, you know, with this World War II conversation, it seems like people are going to die. Take Hitler, for instance. He is killing Mm -hmm. millions of innocent people. So the path of least murder is, it seems, not necessarily, but it seems like the path of least murder is to take him out. 
take out the one instead of the millions. Mm -hmm. So in the abstract, there's got to be another way forward that doesn't involve taking out Hitler, but rather loving him, which that sounds so love, 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 sissy, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, that's That's your philosophy. That's not. (laughs) But that's what that's what God does. God loves the evil out of you. So there's got to be a way forward where he receives the right amount of love that he stops being an idiot, right? And stops killing people. <laughs> but we don't know what that is. So that's why I say that's the easy path forward is just take them out and then we don't have to deal with it. We don't even have hmm. to consider what, what the path forward is. But the real answer would have been love. We just don't know the right way to love him. We don't know how he needs to receive that love in order to stop all I'm saying is, is there's always another option available. We just don't know what that option is. And that's why, that's why yeah. I don't like getting into the physical side of it because it's like, that's Hey, fair. time is of the essence. Like, that's what you, you made that distinction with the train analogy and you were like, Hey, well, the time, he only has one second to figure I, this I out. I threw another parameter on you for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But even then I still feel like well, so- the other option is, is available. We just don't have the knowledge of it. So let me let me let me pull it this way because I think this is this might be a better way to articulate kind of my thoughts of what what I'm hearing. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Um, so we'll look at like a child analogy <laughs> in the sense of okay, so you've got this. Let's say you we'll use the most stereotypical argument. <laughs> so you've got a kid running out in the road. Uh, no, I don't like that one. Never mind. I'll use a different one. <laughs> I didn't like where I was going with that. But let's just say you you have a, you have a kid who's not going to eat his food. He's like, ah, I hate peas. I'm not going to eat them. And you're like, no, you you have to eat these things. <laughs> and he continues to be disobedient. It's like I'm not going to forgive him every single time. There is a chance. There's there's going to be a moment where there are consequences for disobedience. Does that, does that make sense? So I guess what what I'm what I'm presenting here is the idea of of, of consequences, and like there is a yeah. time when when the grace period runs out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and there has to be a judgment that needs to be made in order to love that person better. Yeah, well, that's the thing. In order to love that person better, the consequences, in their essence, have to have uh, essentially be restorative, right? There's no restoration in murder. And, you know, I tried to bring this up uh, when we got in that fight about slavery, <laughs> <laughs> about the, the, the prison system, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the prison system, the way it's designed, I, I'm not against people being given consequences for their wrong actions. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it, it should, you know, it should, it should set them up for better mm-hmm. rather than worse. But, it, you know, and what we see in the prison system is it doesn't restore people back to society. It yeah. actually puts them in a worse place than they were before. Yeah, it's true. So, so that's what I'm saying. It's, it, it, we're not going to solve this problem. It's just, no, not it's at all. Our, <laughs> and I think that's beyond our capacity. That's right. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm as much as I can. I know it's hard sometimes. I'm trying to like remove it from all these other like, very charged conversations <laughs> and try to keep it to like the philosophy of like, is there, I guess for me, it's like, I, I guess I always argue like there is a time when I, it sounds terrible saying, it, but it's like, there is a, there is a moment when ending someone's life is a justifiable thing, even though it's not easy and it's, it's not preferred. I'd never prefer that. 
but there is a moment when like that is the justifiable thing to do when it's at the cost of someone else's innocent life it's but it's, the problem with that is it's not the only option there's always an option and i keep i know i keep harping on this but there's always an option that keeps that person alive hmm. take capital punishment for instance we can protect the innocent people that a, a murderer has murdered, uh, that a, a murderer might potentially murder by imprisoning him, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's, and then he's going to go on trial and he might get capital, you know, he might get the verdict of capital punishment. Yeah. We don't have to do that. In fact, it costs the government money to do that, to not do that, which is why, which is another justification for why I'm against it. Does it cost the government more money? So why don't we just keep them away? I love spending money, though. <laughs> but while yeah. the murderer is imprisoned, he cannot harm anybody else. So problem solved, and we haven't killed anybody. So when is there actually an instance where murder is absolutely necessary? Yeah. I would say... I'd say a soft necessary, like I think the case of Hitler, that's a soft necessary, but it's not an absolute necessary. So I, 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 I feel like I keep, you know, repeating myself over and over again, but I'm, I'm just trying to clarify yeah. what I'm exactly I'm trying to say. It's yeah. like, I, I, what, because what I'm really saying is, is, is violence is never absolutely necessary, although. It, it can be pragmatic and it can be mm. the, uh, the more secure way and the more obvious way to ending more violence. And so I'm just taking a hard stance of it's never absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting with that. Cause I guess what I'm, what I'm hearing is like the, what I'm trying to hear. <laughs> it's like the kind of the undertones of that too. Cause we, we, I think both of us have been kind of just repeating our, our stances <laughs> <laughs> a few times we're um, trying to understand each other it's fine yeah it's true <laughs> so i guess i'm i'm trying to understand because i think there's and i have i have other friends that that share that belief with you as well um and i think i'm i'm trying to look at like okay what's the undertone of that and it sounds like one of them is the idea of i'm trying to think of how to say it say it really well <laughs> without making things more confusing um, but it, it, you, you, you've used this word before too, the idea of restoration. And so it, it sounds like you're in the place of like, oh, someone can always be restored. <clears throat> Is that fair to say? Okay. And I think for me, I'm, I'm of a, a different mindset when it's like, yes, there is a time for restoration, but there's a time when like they've, they've, they've outgrown that grace period <laughs> and it's like the time for restoration is over i think this, that, that's what i was trying to say with the child example was like okay yes there's a time where i'm going to give you grace and forgiveness during this but there's a time when it's it's done and i think that's i think that's the fundamental difference that, we're, that we have in our approach to this this is i think that's that's one of the reasons why you know, you're, uh, you believe the path you believe I, I'm on this opposite end is because, yeah, I, I guess I, I put a, I put like a, a line at some point. It was like, okay, there's a point where you've, you've passed the point of restoration, which is a, is, it sounds horrible to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, I, I, that gives me the easy shortcut of, well, 
that's not how God treats us. And, and that limits the goodness and love of God because God never stops extending love and grace toward us. And so for us to take a violent route of ending somebody's life, um, no matter what they did, no matter what heinous crimes they've committed, that is for us to put ourselves in the position of God and say, hey, God's goodness has run out for you. Your time is up. No more grace for you. Donezo. But God never does that for us. So where do we get the authority to do that to other people? So I think that's where, and maybe this is teasing another episode too, because okay. <laughs> I know we're getting short on time, unfortunately, um, which is just the idea of, of hell. To say it very yeah. bluntly, very basically. Of course. And yeah. I, think, I think we might find our, our ideas of those are probably different. Um, where for me, I would say, well, yeah, when you die, that's your, that's your end of grace. <laughs> it's like if you haven't, if you haven't come to, to put it super simply, if you haven't come to believe in Christ, then it's like your grace period's over. He's allowed you to live this long, but you haven't you know, submitted yourself to him. You haven't believed in, in, in Christ. And that's where I'd say, well, your grace time's over. Now it's time for your judgment, and it's not going to look good. And I think you'd probably argue something different. Is yeah, what it sounds well, like. in order to not get into the hell conversation, I'm just going to quote C.S. Lewis. I'm just going to quote so C.S. Lewis. It'd be so easy to jump into right now. <laughs> because I think this gets this gets this this gets to the root of what we're talking about here. Is C.S. Lewis yeah. said, "Hell is." Uh, well, this is just going to be a paraphrase because I can't remember word for word. <laughs> a tray of phrase. <laughs> Hell is being locked in a room and the lock is on your side. Okay. You've locked yourself in hell. God doesn't lock you in. Hmm. Right. And, and, and don't, don't, I mean, that's kind of what I believe about I hell won't in just, general. I won't jump into but, it. <laughs> but when it comes to this restoration thing, that's that's more of what, take that symbolically for like, living a, a psychological hell on earth the kind of hell that you have to live in to commit mass genocide right because mm. there's no way hell was in a heaven mindset that man mm -hmm. there's no way right so he he, he yeah. lived in a, a hell of his own devices yeah it, it, it's unfortunately i haven't actually read the book but, but it is like a it's a weird idea and i think that's like that's that harsh reality of the, you know, this state that we're living in, <laughs> uh, you know, the idea of like, how could, so the book I'm, I'm referring to that I've never read, that I've heard a lot about is, um, oh shoot. What is it even called? Who's is the it author? Some good, is it some good men? Who's the author? I don't remember. I think it's, I think it's something it's, I think it's like some good men or something like that. But so the idea of the book, this might help some people. And I, I actually do need to read it. I have it saved in my queue somewhere. Okay. Um, I think I have an audiobook version of it, but it's the idea of, okay, it, it looks at the, the philosophy of how did it, it looks at Nazi Germany? How did these people, these, oh, it's called ordinary men. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. yeah. How do these ordinary people go from living, you know, ordinary lives you know, they, they go to work, they buy the groceries, they make dinner, they play with their kids, whatever. How do they go from that to just the atrocities that they committed? Yeah. How does, how, what leads a person to getting to that place? Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a really thick, uh, you know, philosophy, theology behind that, which is a huge conversation. Um, 
but I, I would, I, in a sense, I would agree. I, that's not, that's not a heaven mindset. Yeah. <laughs> that's not someone that that's someone who has allowed themselves to be wrapped up in their own depravity. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing is, is ordinary. I, I know about ordinary men. Um, oh, cool. It take, it, it's, <laughs> and I kind of want to, I kind of want to, I haven't read it, but I want to kind of summarize what I <laughs> in the what same I boat. Then <laughs> it sounds depressing. Why would I want to read that? <laughs> I know it really does. Um, no, but it's you know what 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 causes a person to become a Nazi is one little lie at a time. That's kind of what Solzhenitsyn mm-hmm. was talking about about how he got ended, ended up in a Russian gulag. Right? Mm. He blamed himself for being imprisoned in a gulag in Russia. What? Yeah. Why is that his fault? Well, he said because he one lie at a time. His character wasn't right, right? And that's that's what got him and everybody else in this situation. And that's that's what happens with us is one lie at a time. And why do we lie? Mm-hmm. Because we're afraid. But fear motivates lies. And the, the, it builds up resentment as well. So fear motivates lies and fear motivates resentment. And as that builds up, and it, it, it seems like... I think a good analogy to use would be every lie is a sheet, a layer of ice. It's a layer of ice. It's a layer of ice until mm-hmm. somebody comes along and they've got an ice pick, but it's not strong enough to get to the core. Right. Mm. And so that's what happened with Hitler. Right. It's what there doesn't seem to be. I mean, the ice pick represents love, right? There didn't seem to be an ice pick strong enough to bust through that barrier of ice. And so I don't, I don't know what, what the analogy for killing him would be, but <laughs> anyways, low torch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just coming up with analogies on the spot today. I don't know what's getting into me. This tea is messing with us now. <laughs> Some funky tea, but yeah, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of subtext to kind of what we're saying too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we've made people angry on, cause we, it, it, this conversation, what we've what we've touched on, dives into the stuff that we said we weren't really that interested in talking about, which is the free will Calvin Armenian Cal- Armenianism mm-hmm. Calvinism thing, and we'd probably make people on both sides angry. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> well, I I don't want to go without quoting some Martin Luther King Jr. because he's my he's my pacifist role model. So he's got he's got this one short quote about pacifism that I think really summarizes it. The thing with you brought up a story earlier in the conversation that I wanted to push back on because you kind of made it sound like pacifists are are passive, right? They just don't yeah. want to get involved. And that's why they're not that's why you're a peacemaker, whereas pacifists are just passive, right? Yeah, and I'm putting words in your mouth, and I'm, I'm making you sound worse. No, it, it didn't sound so, that bad when you said it. <laughs> as, as a blanket, as a blanket statement, I'm painting a very broad brush. Yeah, my and I, it, it, hearing kind of more the nuance to what you're saying too, it does change that for you particularly. But when I think mm-hmm. of when I think of pacifism as a whole, I think of peacekeeper versus peacemaker. Mm-hmm. No, I think pacifists are very much involved in the peacemaking process, and I think that's what we saw. That's what Dr. King did, right? Not in any means just a peacekeeper. He was, I mean, he disrupted a lot of peace and order. Ooh, we should have gotten into yeah. how Jesus did that. Because, I, I mean, at one point, Jesus says, right? <laughs> Jesus says, hey, I came to make peace. And then another time he says, no, I didn't. I came to cause division. So yeah. well, well, 
how, how are those two things not contradicting? They're not contradicting because it takes disrupting this facade of peace, mm-hmm. right? This, this fake peace that we think we're living in. We have to disrupt that in order to make real, true peace. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did that, and he did it in a nonviolent yeah. way. It's a, it's a constri- Well, I, w- I would disagree with the violent way. I, I don't think he necessarily caused violence. Unless we want to talk about flipping tables over this. That's not violence. But, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's another thing. But I think that when we look at that, it's like it's a construction zone. You know, it's like if we want to build a new house, we got to destroy a whole lot of crap to make something look pretty. Yeah. And I think that's where... If we want to look at a hole, this is, I think, where we would agree. That's what Jesus did. He came in with a bulldozer and then started trying to build it up again. Yeah. But he did so in a way that didn't cause anybody else harm. I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he's telling us to wrap it up. Dang it. All right. So I'll just. So that's, a, that's a lot of, that's a fun conversation right there alone. Yeah, we, I should have brought Jesus into it from the beginning, you know. <laughs> but here's what here's what Jesus? here here's like a definition from a, a Dr. King quote, and then I'll and yeah. I'll read one yeah. of his other more famous quotes. So he says, "Nonviolence is not sterile passivity, but a powerful moral force which makes for social transformation." So I mean, to dedicate yourself to to a pacifist life will cause social transformation. Not because, because it, it doesn't take force and, 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 and swords and guns to, to convince people to, to change toward the good, right? And, I, and, and that's part of my strong conviction of pacifism is I think when we, when we use force to manipulate people toward the good, then we failed in our in, in our in our influence we haven't actually influenced we've co-opted we've coerced that's not true moral change hmm. yeah so i guess and I, I want you to end with the quote too yeah but i'll say just for myself hmm there's a level, there's a huge level that, that I agree with, but then there's also a point where I disagree with. And so I agree. It's like, yeah, there is, I, I would agree with the idea that there's <laughs> 99% of the time there is an approach that doesn't end in physical harm on another person. But I guess where I disagree with is just the idea of, you know, with the, the reality that I've, that I've lived up to this point that there are times when sometimes it does come to that. Sometimes the best way to, for change to happen is um, for, for the sake of innocent people, for the sake of, um, and I hate saying it that way because it, it, <laughs> it can be, uh, you know, inflammatory sometimes, I think. No, I don't think so. Um, but the idea is like, yeah, at the cost of an innocent life, sometimes you do need to cause physical harm to another. And I think yeah. there are, I think there are times when that is a just thing. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's always the case. I don't think it's something that we need to be And This is where I think that when I, when I pulling from scripture, this is where, where I come out of it with is that 
yeah, we, we are not called to be offensively violent to other people. We're not called to, if someone says, calls us a name, we're not called to just, you know, punch him and beat him down to the ground. <laughs> that is not what we're called to do. But there are times when to protect another person, to protect another life, sometimes to protect our own, we, uh, we are called to enact physical harm on another. So mm. I, I think that's where I would end with mine. Um, and again, that dips into, you know, that whole subplot that we need to talk about at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'll just, I mean, I'll clarify my position one last time before I read this quote and, and kind of like interrelated to what you're saying. I mean, you use the language of it, sometimes it seems necessary that the best way forward is this violent approach. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that completely because it seems, and that's where it's, we have to do the apparent good. The violence seems like it appears to be the best way forward. And all I want to argue is, even though it appears to be necessary and it appears to be the best way forward, yes, it just never is. Yeah. Even though it, 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 it appears to be that way. So I think I'll... I think yeah, just, to, just to say that one last point, this is all, I'm going to end with this because we could talk more about this. <laughs> is I think the only difference then is I would say in my definition that not that it seems, but it is. I think that's that's where <laughs> yeah, I would put that assurance on that. Um, but yeah, continue, continue. I also don't like the <laughs> language of being called to do that, but that's fine. I'll let that be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, my personal belief is that God never calls us to commit violence. But anyways, here's here's a <laughs> you might recognize this one. This is another Dr. King quote. Dr. King. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence and toughness multiplies toughness in the descending spiral of destruction. The chain reaction of evil, hate begetting hate, wars producing more wars, must be broken or shall be plunged into the dark abyss of annihilation. Hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because... I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> I'm, we're we're going to end with this. I, I'm laughing because it's funny because we can both listen to it like, that's really good, but for two completely different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we agree with the same thing, but for different, different conclusions. <laughs> yeah, I hear that quote, and I'm like, "That is exactly what I'm saying." And you hear and it, like, and you're like, "Exactly, <laughs> preach it, man." <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it up to your conscience to decide. But yeah, I think this this conversation was helpful because I've never had an in intense conversation about pacifism, so this really helped me mm. clarify you know, the things I believe. So thanks for that. Oh yeah. Thanks for being open and willing to talk about that. Um, it, it, it's funny cause it's like, I think you have a different approach to it than I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I do appreciate you being open and willing to discuss that. Just like everything we talk about. Yeah, of course. That's the nature of the podcast, right? It's true. That's what we're it's here like for. Conversations that are not easy to answer. <laughs> but yeah, you know, for you guys watching, you guys listening, let us know what you think. We've got a uh, we've got an Instagram that we're we're pumping out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
That's tipsy underscore theology. <laughs> Look us up on the IG. <laughs> Is that the slang now? I guess. That's the slang, sure. Yeah, that's the like slang, boy. <laughs> All yeah, right. check us out. Give us a follow. Send us a like. DM us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Do you consider yourself a pacifist? Um, what does that mean? So I <laughs> there's the broad brush stroke, there's the nuanced approach, and then there's whatever approach I have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and watching. And uh, thank you so much to Maximize Digital Media and Annie Uli for telling us to wrap it up and producing this episode. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, we will.